Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah, everyone. Thank you so much. Um, I my name is Hidari Now. Inshallah, this panel is is of some benefit um, to you all. I'm extremely honored to be joined by Sheikh Or Ramadan and Father Christopher Plohesi, who I'm sure you know. Neither of these people need an introduction, but just in case, um, Father, Father Christopher Plohesi is a Catholic priest who holds a PhD in Arabic and Islamic studies from the Pontifical Institute for Arabic and Islamic Studies. He is at present a resident faculty member at the same institute, where he's a professor of Shi'i Islamic studies. He is a daughter of Muhammad, my heart, the narrative Zainab, daughter of Ali, and angels hastening, Karbala dreams. Um, in, in 2021, Half of My Heart, the Narratives of Zainab, Zainab, daughter of Ali, was nominated by the Book Authority in conjunction with CNN and Forbes as one of the 95 most important books on Islamic history and in february 2021 father Kloesi was awarded the islamic republic of iran's 28th national world book award in the category of distinguished researcher well deserved aid um sheikh um sheikh muhammad Ramadan is the chairman of ramadan foundation a senior and a senior member of the majlis shura of the markazi jamaat which is the largest body representing Muslims in the UK. A high media profile focused on Islamic knowledge to both Muslims and non-Muslims alike, delivered lectures throughout the world on a variety of topics, including the role of Muslims in the West, interfaith, and peaceful coexistence. Assalamu alaikum to both of you. Shaykh Ramadan, let's start with you. Um, you are a lover of Ahlul Bayt who is not a Shia. Some would say that's a contradiction in terms. How do you respond to that? Uh, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Uh, first of all, I would like to thank Sayyid Jawad Qazwini, my beloved brother, his team and everyone for organizing this uh, much needed conference, celebrating the life and the legacy and the birth of Amir al-Mu'mineen, Khalifa uh, al-Rasul, al-Sadiq al-Akbar, al-Farooq al-Azam, Sayyidina Imam Ali ibn Abi Talib, the father of Hassanin Karimain. Uh, the question that you ask by default has been answered by many people and many uh, I've answered it myself on many occasions. And that is that Imam Ali alayhi salatu wasalam, does not belong to one specific group or denomination. He is for every human being. And being a person who comes from Ahl sunnah wal Jama'ah, or the traditions of Sunni Islam, it is embedded within our hadith literature that لا يحبك إلا المؤمن ولا يبغضك إلا المنافق that only a believer will love you Ali and only a munafiq, only a person of hypocrisy will hate you. So by default as a Muslim, it is uh, incumbent upon him. Yani I don't want to go through all of the verses of the Quran and the hadith, but by default loving Imam Ali is a sign of Iman having hatred towards him uh, is a sign uh, of those people uh, who are hypocrites and we pray for them that Allah guides them and basically I call myself that we are from the madras of the Ahlul Bayt anyone that loves Imam Ali that loves the Ahlul Bayt that loves Sayyidah Fatima 
Salamullah belongs to this madhab. And this is a time for Muslims from all different denominations. And today is an example that even people who are Christians, all of us can come together for a common denominator, as we, we will see in the forthcoming weeks, very uh, less than a week or eight days from now, His Holiness Pope Francis will be making the historical visit to Imam Ali Zarawda and visiting uh, various places. So I think uh, Imam Ali doesn't belong to one person, but belongs to everyone. And inshallah, as the program continues, I will share uh, more things with you. I think there's also this misconception that, you know, every Sunni is is a Wahhabi or, or, or a Salafi. Any, you know, quick thoughts on, on that as well? Yeah, I mean, this is a misconception many people have, and that is that Ahl-Sunnah wal-Jama'ah is a very diverse, a very rich tradition, which has enormous contribution by many scholars for over 1400 years. And you cannot tarnish all of them under the, under the umbrella of a new uh, phenomena, should we say, that lasted less than 200 years. So not uh, yani the Wahhabis is a sect, uh, an ultra-conservative uh, group that originated that, uh, out of the British invasion of the Arabian Peninsula and so forth. But Ahl-Sunnah wal-Jama'ah by its default position, the ones that follow the Madahibs, the ones that follow the Ash'ari and the Maturidi schools, the ones that follow the Imams of Tasawwuf, Sheikh Abdul Qadir al-Ghilani radiallahu anhu by default by his premises are people who love Imam Ali and are people who have to believe in the Ahlul Bayt. Yeah, fantastic. Um, Father Kloasi, let, let me um, move to you. You're a Catholic priest. Um, what does Imam Ali mean to you, um, coming from that faith tradition, if if anything, how does it compare to the saints, um, for example, if at all? Thank you. Well, the the definition of a saint in Catholicism, certainly part of the definition, is somebody who has lived virtue heroically. So not just lived a virtuous life, but has lived those virtues, justice, for example, truth, has lived them heroically to the point of, of heroism. And therefore, um, Ali, like many others in the Ahl Bayt, fits in perfectly with that description. Now, I have to confess that, that I have not read as much about Ali as I have about the extraordinary children that were born to him and to Lady Fatima. And so I am guilty of, of not knowing as much about him as I ought to. But I also think that, that Ali has suffered at the hands of Western historians, as has Al-Hassan, not so much Al-Hussein, but Al-Hassan and his father Ali. And this is partly because historians can read facts. They can't always read hearts or motives. And therefore, he has been badly judged by Western historians, and I'm glad that that is being redressed now. So I regard him as a man who lived virtue heroically, specifically the virtues that run through the whole of the Ahl Bayt, and that is the virtue of justice and the virtue of perfect truth in every situation. And that's what attracts me to him. Thank you uh, for that. Sheikh Ramadan, we, as we mentioned earlier, um, you are, you know, someone who loves the Ahl Bayt very deeply. Um, and yet, 
are a member of the Ahlul Sunnah school of thought. Why do you think hostile in Mises to the praise of Imam Ali Salam and Ahlul Bayt in general? I think that's a very interesting question. I, I think we have to move away from this premises that uh, whether you're from Ahl Sunnah or Jama'ah or another denomination, uh, why do you praise and why do you, uh, uh, you know, why do some people, you know, love the Ahl Bayt? The foundation premises that we are Muslims ultimately. Before we give these titles that I'm a Shia, I'm a Sunni, I'm this and that, we are Muslims. We follow one Prophet, we follow one Quran, and we have one Deen. We have different interpretations, which is a separate thing. However, ultimately, the Quran has indicated in Surah Al-Muwaddata or Ayatul Muwaddata that it is compulsory, that it is far to love the Ahlul Bayt. Now, what actually happened was because of historical issues, because of certain uh, controversial issues, because of misrepresentation, misinformation, Imam Ali is a, is, is, a, is a highly controversial individual in the sense that people don't really study him. And that's a great injustice to Imam Ali. When you study his notion, when you study his life, when you study his sacrifices, you realize that he's a man that is far beyond his time. He's a man of, uh, he's a supernatural human being, and he's a man of tolerance, and he's a man of everything. However, what happened with the Ahl al-Sunnah al Jum'ah, unfortunately, was that there was a small group of people from the early times that were known as the Khawarij, the people that went against Imam Ali, that fought against him and his Ahlul Bayt, and the Nawasib. Nawasib is a term in Arabic which is referred to those people that have hatred towards the Ahlul Bayt. And the Prophet said in the Hadith very explicitly that there would come a time when there would be people that would love Imam Ali and they would hate Imam Ali. So unfortunately, that is still within Ahlul Sunnah al Jumu'ah. But we are seeing a renaissance now. We are seeing a revival that people are, alhamdulillah now, people are, alhamdulillah, coming together to love the Ahlul Bayt and to love Imam Ali. And inshallah ta'ala, I believe that with endeavors like this, conferences like this, where we can bring scholars together, we can minimize that. 30 seconds, my final point would be, one of the main reasons for that misconception from the Shias is because they haven't really studied in depth Ahlul Sunnah al Jama'ah. They haven't studied what Ahl Sunnah stands for in spiritualism and the position of the Ahl al-Bayt, but I hope that will change. Uh, Jazakallah khair. Um, the Pope wanting to visit you know, um, and talk to and have a meeting with um, Ayatollah Sayyid Sistani and also you know some reports say that he plans to visit the shrine of Imam Amir al-Mu'ineen inshallah. Um, what are your thoughts on it? How did you feel when you first heard it and you know? Well here in Rome we've been hearing this for some time now yeah. and um, these are really auspicious days we're living in. We're celebrating of course the birth of Ali, we're celebrating the demise of Lady Zainab and we're celebrating the visit of Pope Francis. Um, I'm, I haven't heard that he will actually visit the shrine of Ali, but, but in the end, as that, that extraordinary recitation by, by Nuri, Brother Nuri, a few minutes ago said, the name of Ali echoes beyond the walls of Najaf. He will certainly be in Najaf. He will certainly visit Al-Sistani, Ayatollah Al-Sistani, his eminence. And, and what you have is the meeting of two minds. These are two men of faith, men of prayer. Who, who both understand how crucial it is 
to create just structures and just systems in order for peace to happen because peace doesn't happen just by chance. It happens because intelligent, good people work very hard. And I, I think that despite the fact that they come from two disparate worldviews and faith traditions, they have a huge amount in common, Francis and uh, Al-Sistani, uh, the, the Ayatollah, and, and you have the meeting of two minds, men who have both worked and are known for their work to build justice and peace. And therefore, even if we don't ever get to hear what they discuss, because their discussion will be very much in private, it doesn't matter. It's the symbolism of this meeting. It's a symbolic gesture of, of these two men who desire peace, uh, meeting each other as brothers. And I, I think that this is going to be an extraordinary visit. We pray for the safety, not only of the Pope, but of everybody there, everybody in Iraq. But I suspect that the, the symbolism of the visit there, of the discussions with the Ayatollah, as, who, is, who is a crucially important figure, not only in Iraq, but in the whole of the Shi and Islamic world, I think this is symbolically one of the, the high moments of 2021, a, a high moment in the last few months which have been dreadful for everybody. So I, I'm delighted about this visit, and I think it means a great deal for the ongoing Catholic-Shi dialogue that has been happening between Rome, Tehran, uh, London, a few other places. So where do you hope to see this sort of um, what is the strengthening of them, if you will? What are, what are your thoughts on this, on sort of building bridges in these two faith traditions? I think the bridges are already quite strong. I think that th this initiative is not a beginning, it's a continuation of something that's been happening for some time. Pope John Paul also visited countries where there are substantial numbers of Shia and Sunni Muslims, as well as you know, majority uh, Muslim countries. But I, I think that part of this is Pope Francis wants to speak to the Iraqi people who have been battered and bruised by so much violence even up to this point, they're still being battered by violence. He, he wants to say to them that they are not a less important nation than any other nation in the world, and that they are not insignificant in their contribution to world history, to culture, to politics, and to faith, that they are not a forgotten nation. In Catholicism, the Pope is primarily a shepherd. And what he is doing is he is going to talk to the Christian community in Iraq, which is a minority, a tiny community. But he's also going to talk to all Iraqis. And that's a crucial message because, because Iraqis need to know that they are no less important and no less valuable than any other nation. I, I, really, I, 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 I really dislike the way we've divided the world into first and second and third. I really dislike that in the same way that I dislike the way we divide the world into East and West as though, as though there was a great gap between us. And I think that the Pope's visit, part of his visit there is, is this gesture to the whole of Iraq as a nation that has suffered so much and needs a word of comfort and a word of something to spur it on to build a future together. Um, Sheikh Ramadan, do you have do you have any you know thoughts on this historic visit of of the Pope to Ayatollah um Sistani and you know um, Pope Francis? 
Uh, I mean, I think it's. I mean, him visiting his, uh, Iraq is a is a great. You know, it's it's very symbolic, extremely symbolic. One because 2019 in February, the Pope made a historical visit to Abu Dhabi to the United Arab Emirates. Uh, he was uh, he was welcomed by uh, Imam Al Kabir, the Grand Imam of Azhar Sharif, Sheikh Ahmad Tayyib, Hafizahullah Taala, and Sheikh Ahmad Tayyib and the Holy and the Holy Father signed. An agreement of peace and tranquility and cooperation, and I hope that can that can also happen between the Pope and Sayyid Sistani. Sayyid Sistani is an extraordinary human being. I've uh, I've witnessed firsthand the extraordinary work that he's done in Iraq, specifically and especially especially between sectarianism between Sunnis and and and, and Shias in Iraq. He's worked he's worked extremely he's worked extremely hard in bringing the communities together in fighting this uh, this neg negative view calling the Sunni men and Fusina and so forth. So I really hope and I really pray that the, uh, that this meeting between Sayyid Sistani and the Holy Father uh, will be a continuation of bringing uh, the Sunni word Al-Azhar, uh, a continuation of what the Pope signed between Sheikh Ahmad Tayyib. And what I would say to our, uh, our, our, our audience members, specifically amongst the Shias, the youngsters who have, uh, there are some youngsters who, for example, want to make Imam Ali like a normal human being, a normal person today is a witness we are witnessing uh people from all different parts of the world all denominations all backgrounds celebrating his life because imam ali is beyond sectarian division and beyond these demographics we have to adhere to this way but i think it's a very very great uh, symbolic visit and we pray for iraq and we pray that the whole visit goes goes very successful inshallah yeah, um, absolutely. Just, you know, a, a final question for, for the both of you. Um, what, how, when we talk about reform and the spirit of reform, how do we use Imam Ali salam as a template for those things, right? What, like, as an example, is one thing that we can take from his life, um, in your opinion, to use as a template for reform within ourselves, reform in our communities, reform globally? What do you think? Are you, were you asking me first? Um, so, so I, I, will, I will try to I will try to answer that that question. Um, off the top of my head, um, I, I think that many people today who are trying to fight and, and struggle for truth, for justice, and I come from a country, South Africa, where we went through this many years ago. I think many people who are struggling for truth, for justice, for reform, sometimes feel themselves to be on the losing side. Sometimes it seems as though injustice, unrighteousness, ill-treatment uh, has the more powerful position. And I'm sure that Imam Ali during his life experienced that emotion that you felt that you were on on the losing side. Everybody seemed to be against you and yet he never ever uh, wavered from this determination that the truth would be told. And therefore, you know, I, I come back to the same question that years ago here in Rome, one of the popes said, if you want peace, you have to create justice. This is absolutely true. But if you want justice, you have to have truth. There's no justice without truth. Therefore, reform must begin with governments and religious leaders uh, and anybody else who has any sort of audience speaking and thinking the truth and then 
being the same in public as they are in private. That's truth. That's real truth. And I am convinced that once we begin to, to discover truth, we will begin to create justice, reformed, reform in matters of justice. And I think that Ali is the model of that, that he spoke the truth, as did all the members of the Akhul Bayt, even to the point of shedding of blood. That is crucial for me. Shash hmm. Ramadan, any final thoughts? Uh, I mean, first of all, again, I want to thank Sayyid Javad and his team and yourself, Sister Hidayah, and everyone uh, for organizing this much-needed conference. So, I mean, what I would say is ultimate reform is that we have to internalize the message of Imam Ali. We have to internalize his message of tolerance, peace, tranquility. One of the greatest examples that I follow of Imam Ali is when he was at the Battle of Sifin, when he was fighting against the forces of Muawiyah. This, this, uh, this, this un un unwanted battle where many people were killed and even in the, in the midst of turmoil, in the midst of the height of the battle, he refused to curse his enemies, he refused to swear at his enemies, he refused to condemn them based on the, con based on the, on the premises of condemnation, of, re of taking them out of Islam, excommunicating them, uh, but he prayed for them. And that is the type of tolerance we need in this day and age. We need to come together. For our Shia brothers, we need them to be more tolerant of Ahl-Sunnah wal-Jama'ah. We need them to look beyond the sectarian narratives, to look beyond that saying that Ahl-Sunnah wal-Jama'ah is only a small view or Ahl-Sunnah wal-Jama'ah is a Wahhabi view or Sunnis are this and that. And the Sunnis at the same time, we have to look beyond that. We cannot base our premises of studying and, and, and knowing and, and demonstrating the life of Imam Ali based upon a Shia phobia. We cannot say that we should not praise the Ahlul Bayt. We should not praise the Imams of the Ahlul Bayt because the Shia do this. This is a, this is a, a fallacy. It's something that I condemn. And I give, the, I give the example that if this is the premises that we should not uh, praise the Ahlul Bayt, then we should not speak about Jesus because Christians follow him or Musa alayhi salam. So we have to condemn all of this narrow-mindedness we have to move away from this uh, from from uh, from this phobia and we have to my final message to our viewers is you have to revive the love of ahlul bayt in your life you have to revive the love of imam ali and his family the prophet's progeny into your lives internalize it put it into your lives and change things and let me finish with one hadith the prophet said teach the following things to your to your children and the, and the most important of that, of that was the love of the Ahlul Bayt. Please teach your children the love of the Ahlul Bayt, the stories of the Ahlul Bayt, and the message of the Ahlul Bayt. Again, Jazakallah Khairan for this beautiful conference. And thank you for, uh, for inviting me to be part of it. Jazakallah Khairan. Thank you so much to, to the both of you. It's ex I'm extremely honored to have been a part of this. Um, just before we go, where can we find you your your work um uh social media anything of that sort um father Flores, i know that you have a book coming out so just let us know where, where can we follow you and the amazing works that both of you do um well yes you will i'm afraid i'm spread quite thickly or maybe thinly all over the place and certainly on twitter and and uh, on on facebook and yes there is a book that's already printed and I hope will be out soon on Karbala and on the dreams um, and maybe a fourth and a fifth book eventually as I grow older. So yes, I'm, I'm, I'm easily available at Purple Padre on Twitter and I'm also on Facebook. Fantastic. Chef Ramadan? 
uh, well, uh, another, uh, if you want to search for me, you can do a search on YouTube, on Facebook. Uh, but my main role, one of my main roles, which I've just undertaken recently, is that I'm a director and I'm a member of the uh, Center for Intra-Muslim Studies between Sunnis and Shias, uh, bringing different denominators together to, uh, to talk about unity. So you can do a search on YouTube uh, you can, uh, and you can find uh, a lot of information, literature there or, or under Ramadan Foundation uh, uh, on, on, on Google or Facebook. Get once again, thank you so much to both of our esteemed for your attention and and that you can take these you know lessons and points and implement them in your communities, in your own lives, and also in a global community. Inshallah. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi